Hello, my friend, and welcome to TFU News and Views. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner and operator of TFU.info, host of Transformers University podcast and host of this podcast as well. Today, <laughs> we are reacting. We are reacting to the wealth of news from San Diego Comic-Con 2018. Now, I am recording this on Sunday morning. July 22nd, 2018. And there is a lot to talk about. There is Generations to talk about. There is Cyberverse to talk about. There is the Bumblebee movie to talk about. There is Studio Series to talk about. And there is news from IDW to talk about. So a lot to go over. And before we get started, just a quick reminder. If you would like to win a Studio Series Thundercracker, the final Toys R Us exclusive toy, please swing on by to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFUINFO, youtube.com slash TFUINFO. Comment on the video about the contest. You'll see it there. It should be right when you open the channel page. And subscribe to help us get to 1,000 subscribers. When we get to 1,000 subscribers, we will give away that toy to someone who has commented on the video. We're at about 750-ish right now. So we're about 250 away. We're about three quarters of a way to our goal. So please spread the word, subscribe, comment, and win. All right, back to the lovely city of San Diego. Now, earlier this week, the day of the reveal Thursday, uh, I was on live with the folks from Radio Free Cybertron. You can catch a uh, the recording of that at youtube.com slash Radio Free Cybertron where we reacted live to the reveal of a lot of these figures and uh, what was going on that day. And I must say, in the moment, a lot of the reaction was fairly negative. Uh, since Thursday, having a few days to sleep on it and having a whole bunch of other news around it, I'm not necessarily as negative feeling about the upcoming Transformers Generations War for Cybertron Siege line uh, as I was on Thursday, but I'm also still very confused by a lot of what they're offering. Now, before we get into what they revealed, I think it is important we talk a little bit about what were they trying to do? What's the position the Hasbro design and marketing team teams were in in creating this line and what did they need to execute on um, it's a tricky situation there and I don't envy where Ben Montano and John Morden are right now with the Transformers brand um, because there is one a lot of people to appeal to you're talking almost 35 years coming up of a line and having launched generations in the direction that they did with combiner wars and titans return and following that late g1 track one they were going to run out of track eventually and two as i've said for a long time now they face competition from third party legal or not and it's not so some of that is some of this trouble is almost of their own making by not and I don't mean John and Ben specifically but Hasbro in not taking a stronger stance against third party 
they face competition within the rest of the toy industry. And they face competition from their own past. Because in, in a post-internet world, in a world where you can go on eBay and virtually find any toy from history and purchase it depending on your budget, nothing goes away. So if nothing goes away, you're still competing with everything you've done before, plus everything that was done before you. So now the Hasbro design team is not only competing with themselves and trying to update themselves, but they're still competing with the toys they made a few years ago because if people don't like what you're putting out, they can go back and get something different or they can go to a competitor and get something different. And that's why I say third party is always terrible for the fandom because it allows outsiders to take control of something that's not theirs. All right. But existential and conceptual themes aside, let's look at what we were shown. Actually, before we do that, I do want to get into one more conceptual thing. So by going down this track of late G1, they run into this one issue that late G1 failed. Late G1 failed because it failed to appeal to Transformers fans uh, who at the time were aging out. And it's a natural progression. It was going to end eventually. But there's very little nostalgia for late G1. Especially the really late G1 that they're starting to delve into, like MicroMasters. Has anyone really said, man, you know, I would really like an update to Flack or Big Shot, which we'll get into. Like, no, those are perfectly good toys where they are. They're still relatively cheap on the secondary market. And if you know about them as is, you're not really looking for an update to them. Now, another character they're bringing back and... I don't want to get too far into the MicroMaster stuff yet. Like Road Handler. I would much rather a Deluxe Class Road Handler than a MicroMaster Road Handler. Uh, for my nostalgia to the original Marvel comic and the role Road Handler had in a handful of issues, I would much rather have something that's larger and more poseable and can interact with, say, six-inch human-scale figures than a tiny toy that's meant to interact with larger Transformers. And we also have to come to terms with the fact that the line, for those of you that are in my age group, and I am less than two months away from my 40th birthday, they're starting to market not to us. So some of these toys, the bulk of the Transformers lines, are not for us. And that's okay. Um, no one has a... You know, no one says you have to buy everything. No one says you have to buy anything. Um, you can make your fandom as casual or as intense as you like. But we do need to ask ourselves the question, are we becoming the Star Wars fandom and the Marvel fandom where it's just inevitable we're going to get an Optimus and a Megatron and a Starscream and a Bumblebee uh, every couple of years because they need to refresh the brand. And... Is that the right approach in a world where you can buy just about any toy from the last 25, 30 years on eBay? So let's break down what we saw from the Generations line, starting with some of the bigger toys first. And it's interesting to note here, and a lot of people have noticed it, and I'll just reiterate it, that we only saw Autobot figures 
at San Diego, which leads me to believe that in about two months at New York Comic Con, and I will be there covering it live, as I have been for the last few years, so make sure you check out our coverage, subscribe to our YouTube channel, because I will roll live, youtube.com slash tfuinfo, that the Decepticon figures will be shown off at New York. So starting with the one liter class figure that was revealed, it is Ultra Magnus. And so the first reaction from most people is, well, we got a fairly nice Ultra Magnus a few years ago. Why do we need another? And part of me has felt that way since the announcement. And part of me likes some of the decisions with this figure. Uh, the vehicle mode is inspired by the Robots in Disguise 2001 line, um, which is a different character. So that kind of bothers me. But it's just a different character named Ultra Magnus, who kind of looks like Ultra Magnus. Um, but I do like that it, they paid homage to that. I do like that this appears to be a car carrier of some sort, which the previous Ultra Magnus, I don't remember if he is or he isn't, and I should probably check that. <laughs> but um, I do like that, that play feature. I always think that is a nice touch because there's usually little reason to put something in vehicle mode for a long period of time, but that is one way to do it and allow other figures to be part of that. The white Optimus Prime inside of Ultra Magnus, it doesn't do much for me. I like Ultra Magnus as one solid piece, but it shows that this is a continuation of the Power of the Primes leader class theme, a smaller figure that fits inside a larger figure that is a bit of armor for it. Um, so some of the design cues from Power of the Primes seems to be leading into this line which means down the line i still believe we're going to see star saber in some form uh because that is his gimmick uh for the most part and at a leader class in the u.s and given this team's proclivity to japanese g1 and given the fact that he was one of the characters in the voting a couple of years ago when Optimus Primal won, so it's two years back, uh, for the fan vote figure. Uh, and a lot of the figures shown here were also part of that voting, Ultra Magnus and a few of the others later. I have a feeling we're going to see Star Saber in this line at some point. And then, of course, I try to think of repaint, retool possibilities. And for me, this figure wants to be Thunderclash. Or maybe I just want this figure to be Thunderclash. And... Uh, it certainly has a little bit of that look in vehicle mode, and if you swap out whatever this inner robot would be, to some extent, I think you could pull it off. At Voyager class, we see Optimus Prime, and it seems like we get a Voyager Optimus Prime just about every two years. Um, usually, it's a pre-tool for something else. So, a couple of years back, it was the pre-tool for Motormaster in Combiner Wars, and a couple of years ago before that, it was the pre-tool for both Generation 2 Laser Optimus Prime and Octane, the Triple Changer, which was really the reason for it. So part of me feels that this is a pre-tool for something. What? I don't know. Overall, not terribly impressed with this figure, but then again, it's an Optimus Prime. Like, for someone, it'll be their first Optimus, which is great. But for long-term collectors, you're probably going to skip it. Optimus is our Luke Skywalker, he is our Superman, he is our Iron Man, Captain America. We're going to see a lot of him. Just accept it. Hope for something better in the other half of this case, and move on. 
Also with Optimus, we see the main gimmick of this line, and that is this new 3mm port system that John Warden mentioned in a great interview with T-Formers. Swing over to tformers.com. Check out their YouTube channel. Uh, they talked with him on the show floor at San Diego Comic-Con, and uh, he gave a little bit of insight into what the line was about. And it seems a lot of what this is about is taking pieces and combining them onto other figures as weapons. Now, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the vision for this line. And I don't mean like agree, disagree. I don't think they have a clear vision for this line. And I'll get into that in a little bit because I think they're trying to hit they're trying to hit too many pieces of nostalgia all at once and then in doing that, they're not hitting any one of them properly. So, moving on to the Deluxes. Now, first Deluxe I want to talk about is COG. So, a lot of us seem to be fairly in on COG if we own a Titan-class Fortress Maximus. Because COG was the pack-in figure with the original Fortress Maximus. And having him to go with the larger toy and makes sense and knowing that six gun which is uh, one of the figures that was included with metroplex uh is also kind of coming from this uh it's a nice touch it's a nice way to reference back to some older toys there's a few things i don't like about this so this toy is entirely parts forming uh if you're not familiar with parts forming it means it doesn't transform as one solid piece you need to take it apart and then reconfigure it it plays into the gimmick, the theme for this line. Uh, parts come off, they become weapons for other characters, they become armor for other characters. That's the, the gist of this line. That said, over the course of the last 35 years, no one is ever terribly thrilled with parts forming figures. Um, they just don't do it for people because they don't transform. There's not that engineering behind you how how you get from one place to another. The puzzle aspect is it's not removed, but it's diminished. And the original cog was that kind of parts for me. It's something we saw 30 years ago that kind of worked, but kind of didn't, and you always felt a little cheated by it. But here we are. We have a deluxe that is entirely a parts former. And presumably other ones that will be in the mix later on, we do have six gun. This will eventually probably lead to Brunt, the tank from Trypticon. And it would make sense since we haven't seen a Decepticon like this. And we had Trypticon last year as the Titan. And it could lead to us getting some sort of version of Flywheels, given that we had Battle Trap as uh, two Legend scale figures that combined. And could also be other things. Maybe you can sneak in a Flywheels Duocon that would work in this instance. But what bothers me here is these things don't actually transform. But they're made up of, let's say, six pieces. All right? I'm just throwing a number out there. Given you're increasing the price of the Deluxe class to $20. Same as Marvel Legends. Same as Star Wars Black Series. Why not take these pieces and make a Build-A-Figure out of them the same way Marvel does? Spread them across the wave. Make people go out and maybe 
pick up that figure they weren't quite sure on to build the other figure. Because you're repeating characters here that you've done, and you're repeating characters here that were available, give or take, in the last five to ten years, but are available on eBay any time of day. The character selection is my biggest complaint about what we're seeing so far from War for Cybertron Siege. Because that 84 nostalgia bug, it's been scratched many, many times. And each time they do it, it becomes less effective. The rest of this wave for Deluxes, um, we're seeing Hound, which, alright, uh... I mean, they did a good Hound a few years back in the, I guess it was still the Universe line at that point, or the first year of Generations. It's a very serviceable figure. It's not hard to find. But, you know what? He could stand an update. I'll, I'll get behind that Hound. Um, Ironhide, which is the one I'm really excited about. He looks very nice, and we will talk about him a bit more, because I do have some more to say about Ironhide. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about him now. They're doing Ironhide in the Deluxe class. He looks good. He has repaint potential. Clearly, they're going to do Cup from him. You look at that chest. He is definitely going to be Cup. You listen to the John Warden interview, and he says the body is inspired by Cup. He's getting made into Cup. But you could also do a decent ratchet out of him because they're always the same mold. And theoretically, you can do Wheeljack in his Cybertronian box truck thing from the original series or at least get something uh, close to the original miniseries. And you probably even have one more step in here in going to Crosshairs, the Target Master, and there's been some digital... Uh, kit bashing, some digi bashing of those colors with his head on there and it's pretty close and since they didn't do the Autobot Target Masters in Titan's Return but they did do the Decepticon ones it does make you wonder if they're planning on it especially since and we'll get to this that that Target Masters are kind of the gimmick here uh, to some extent but back to my point about build a figure why not do a build a figure here why put cog or six gun in their own package when you could spread them across six packages for the people who will spend 150 dollars for a titan fortress maximus they're more than likely going to buy an entire wave oh and i left out the the one deluxe that seems nice enough and probably needs an update but the most overrated character in transformers history sideswipe he is the Boba Fett of Transformers, in my opinion. Uh, he is the character that has done virtually nothing in history, but somehow people love him because he's the red car, and somehow that makes him cool. But yeah, why not take those figures? Why not take that cog, that slot that he's taking up in a case, and spread those parts around to help sell the rest of the wave? Because... With this kind of character selection, with this kind of selection of characters where you're resetting on the long-term collector, you're telling them, you know what, you might want to pass on these and wait to see what they become. Why not give us a reason to want to pick those up? That just says to me that the marketing plan wasn't quite there. Or the budget wasn't quite there. 
Maybe they thought of this. I can't think that I'm the first one to think of this. Maybe Ben and his team over there at Hasbro had considered this, and for whatever monetary reasons, they couldn't do it. But I think you're missing a chance to sell more figures, especially ones that people may have been ho-hum on by making these weaponizers, as they're calling them, into Build-A-Figures. All right, and that brings me to one more deluxe class figure, and probably the one I have the biggest complaint about, and that is deluxe class Chromia. Now, this appears to be a retool of the Moonracer Firestar, whatever they're calling Firestar in Power of the Primes uh, that I cannot think of at the moment. Those figures, along with the Voyager class Alita 1, we were led to believe that we were getting another all-female Autobot combiner from the characters from the middle of Season 2 in the original cartoon. And Chromia was a piece of that. And they removed her combining gimmick. They removed, they retooled the chest to the point that they left all the things that were terrible about Moonracer, which was terrible because of the combining gimmick, but we wrote it off because it was going to combine and <laughs> left all that stuff and then took away the combining gimmick for Chromia. And that, I'm just shaking my head at that. It just seems like we were led into this idea that Alita Infinite was going to be something spread across Power of the Primes and the subsequent line, this one, War for Cybertron Siege. And they didn't do it. Which is a lot of what we see with their promotion of this line, that they said it was going to be a Cybertronian, but the vehicles are all fairly Earth-like. Which I understand to an extent, but like, why sell the line like that? Why tease us with the line like that for a, almost a year and then not deliver? That That's just bad. Like, the character selection is one thing. Uh, and I think there was a better way to market some of these characters that we've seen so many times in Transformers. And I get it. I get some of these character selections because it, it it's also impacted by some of these other lines that are coming out. The Bumblebee movie line, the studio series line, um, Cyberverse. And we'll get into those. I understand how certain characters are probably chosen to alternate waves, to be shifted between one version and another. But to remove that combining gimmick from Chromia when it just felt like that's what we were supposed to get just doesn't make sense unless there's another version of chromia coming down the line as a store exclusive uh meant for the combiner all right now on to the smaller end of this line the battle masters and micro masters these are the crux of the gimmick of this line so they're taking battle masters which are essentially target masters from the 1987 line and 1988 line and redoing them as part of this line so they are little robots that transform into weapons for the larger robots you know what at five bucks uh, i would like to see how tall they are in person kind of get an idea of what they're like 
but I don't mind this. Um, again, Fire Drive, who I guess is supposed to be Firebolt from uh, the Target Master version of Hot Rod. And Lionizer, who is a black lion. Um, and again, if you're going to run the nostalgia route here. Now, I like that they used Lionizer. Lionizer was, first off, it's a great name. Second off, uh, he was the Action Master partner for Rad um, in the 1990 line. But he is a black lion here. He was a like pink and orangish neon color. I'm not going to say they got the colors wrong. I just don't know if such a drastic color shift was a good idea. And then we have the MicroMasters, which are coming in sets of two. Uh, the Battle Patrol in Big Shot and Flask. Uh, the name replacing Flack. Uh, I find that combination of names funny because you can pour yourself a big shot from a flask. Uh, they transform into their vehicle modes, their robot modes, and combine together to form a weapon for the larger figures. That is the gimmick with the MicroMasters. Um, you have the race car patrol with road handler and swindler, and the rescue patrol with stakeout and red hot. Now, these are all their original patrol names, but only half of the patrol. So be interesting to see if they do the other half i have a feeling you'll see the rescue patrols other half with sea watch and fix it because the name fix it was uh used a few years ago for robots in disguise and i think they'll want to keep that name however whether we see sunrunner and sidetrack or or the rest of the race car patrol remains to be seen uh, also worth noting, Big Shot and Flask, um, well, the originals, Flack and Big Shot, did have recolors in Japan where they were in blue colors uh, known as Gunlift and Powerbomb. So it'll be interesting to see also if we see those come out. Now, I'm fine with this gimmick. I like this part of the gimmick. Um, I also like that all the figures come with these little energy bursts. Uh, I know they're going to be soft plastic, or at least that's the rumor. Uh, that worries me a little because soft plastic doesn't tend to um, sit well. It doesn't tend to fasten well onto the figures. So hopefully they have a material that does work very well with these toys. You know, this is probably the one part of the line that seems to be generally liked overall. So, with that in mind, I am looking forward to what's next. Waves, I guess this is wave one and two, it looks like. Um, I'm interested to see what waves three and four hold. Because if these molds are recolored or retooled into a little bit more obscure characters or better fitting characters, and it looks like we're going to get, from the artwork that they showed, um, we're going to get Tetra Jets on the Decepticon side, which I'm really excited for, and I hope they are well done figures um we're likely to get a red alert out of side swipe <laughs> almost called them sunstreaker there for a second and uh there appears to be a prowl in the future plus there will be that two pack of impactor and mirage now, finally, that does lead to question, and I don't know if we'll see this in two months at New York. I think we'll get teased for it in New York and see it at New York Toy Fair in February. What the Titan-class figure 
could be for this line. Now, in the T-Formers video interview with John Warden, he um, he didn't say there wasn't a Titan figure coming, and I think he sort of hinted at the fact that there was one coming. Given the parts-forming nature of this line, given the fact that it takes place on Cybertron, and in Warden's words, the final hours of the Autobots and Decepticons on Cybertron, the Autobots need a way off the planet. And the only way I see that happening is if they do Omega Supreme. He would fit in very well with the parts-forming nature of this line. He would serve to even out the numbers on the Titan-class figures uh, between Autobots and Decepticons. And again, he fits the storyline. So I also find it interesting that with Omega Supreme being in the Hall of Fame voting, that if he had won, I think we might have seen part of an announcement for Omega Supreme. But clearly, the desire for one has been indicated by the fandom. And I think uh, with him being part of the vote a few years back for the Titan class figure, I think they're looking for a way to work him in. And so that brings us to Movie Line Toys, uh, studio series, Bumblebee Movie Toys, Bumblebee Movie Toy exclusives. And uh, I got to say, there is a lot of Bumblebee <laughs> coming out in the next year. And this goes back to my point about competition. So not only is this brand and this team competing with its past, but it is competing with its present. So... There are a lot of bumblebees at a lot of different price points, and I get it. You want some sort of media saturation, especially heading into a movie that's coming out around Christmas. But I don't know. Sometimes I think this is bad because it drives the money to a bunch of different products instead of one or two or three products. And I think that is also a problem for the Transformers brand, that it is trying to serve too many masters. And I've said this before, and, and this is probably one last thing on the Generations line. It seems that War for Cybertron Siege is trying to appeal to people like myself around the age of 40. It is trying to appeal to a younger crowd that remembers Armada. And there seems to be a bit of a Unicron trilogy nostalgia resurgence from what I see on Twitter. Um, and the MicroMasters kind of serve as the Minicons in this instance. So it's, a trying to, it's trying to appeal to that 20-something group. Um, I'm interested to see what the folks on Steel City Bots say and feel about this line. Because part of this line is certainly aimed at them. And then, of course, it's still trying to loop in the 8- to 12-year-old or 8- to 15-year-old kid that either wants to collect action figures or wants a toy of said character. That's a lot of people to please all at once. And I don't think they've done a good job of really trying to please any of them. And that is my concern with this line. That is my concern for Transformers as a brand. Um, as it does that, the nostalgia beast, as I like to call it, it's a beast eating its own tail. And it runs in circles until it's bitten itself, right? And then it runs in circles until it's eaten itself and disappeared. Um, eventually people my age 
will age older than 40 and 50 and 60 and eventually we all die and that nostalgia train isn't being driven by us anymore right so if they're shifting the nostalgia to the movies that's great but then where is the generations line headed does it need to just be retired for a while or does it need to go in the full opposite direction and go full full obscure stuff and part of me wants it to go full obscure as a fan um not considering the business side of things and then part of that ties back and i'll get to the movie stuff i know i started talking about it but i will get to the movie stuff in a second part of that ties back to the recent uh ongoings with idw publishing and whether or not they lost the license got it back whatever's going on there and the reset there the brand wide reset as it is um hasbro's leaving a ton of money on the table one resetting the idw continuity and i'm one that's for it to some extent um, because the comics are a little convoluted they're a little bit too deep but i think you can do that in a soft reboot as well and two they've created idw has created um a community and a deep history of their own that hasbro hasn't really explored they've done a few figures here and there but within the comics world that's where all your great stories are going to be based and that's where they're going to come from and if paramount really wants to take the movie and media visual media brands uh outside of print to the next level for transformers that's where they need to look and that's where they need to develop out of uh it worked for marvel uh i had a friend whose wife worked for marvel and uh i remember him telling me that and this is back in the early 2000s early mid 2000s um that marvel print existed mainly to develop stories for video games and movies and i don't think that's too far off nowadays um develop these great stories in print in the comic books then take those stories and put them on the screen a great story on paper can be a great story visually look at just about every superhero movie you've watched in the last 10 years they're born almost entirely out of some sort of comic book story and it's the ones that veer too far off or change too many elements or don't decide what they want to be as to which story those are the ones that are bad and the ones that are good whether it be you know the marvel cinematic universe as a whole or x-men days of future past or even even Wonder Woman, um, which I thought kind of fell apart in the last act, but overall was a very good movie. Those movies all draw from their source material, but they all have this source material to draw from. They're not drawing from past movies. They're drawing from print. And Hasbro really needs to step up and realize that, and they need to shove that in Paramount's face and say, look... This is how your competitors are successful. This is how we're going to be successful. All right. Now, since we're talking Paramount, and I will talk a little more IDW later uh, towards the end of the show, because, oh man, there's my favorite news story from the weekend there. All right, Studio Series. So what I see a lot in Studio Series, and I get it, 
they're they're aiming at that 20 something demo that i used to be when i really fell in love with collecting um there's some mold reuses a lot of mold reuses a recolor of ratchet and i'm not going to break this down the way i broke down generations um just because i'm not as terribly well versed on it as other people but what i did see here is a lot of troop builders which i think are interesting the ksi drones and the uh shadow raiders which i think I couldn't figure out where they were from Age of Extinction, and I haven't seen that movie since I saw it in the theater. But those seem like more drones as well. I like the idea of troop builders. I'm a big troop builder fan. Unfortunately, at $20 a pop on the figures, I'm hoping they go to clearance, because then I will troop build. Um, there's a lot of mold reuses in Studio Series, so make of that what you will. Uh, the... Bumblebee Studio Series toys, those look great. Uh, the new characters, the new Decepticons, they look pretty cool. Uh, Bumblebee as a Volkswagen bug in a deluxe class, I'm liking that. And the Bumblebee movie exclusive figures, which seem to tie more to G1 collectors than they do to movie collectors, is interesting. The Titans Return Soundwave, remolded as an 80s-ish Soundwave. It's kind of cool as a Target exclusive. I love that his head is named Doombox, the, the little robot that forms his head. Doombox is a great name. Uh, they need to reuse that for something else. And then the uh, cassette multi-pack is a great, great riff on some of the older cassettes and some more obscure characters. You get a buzzsaw in there, which, okay, I guess it's a more G1 buzzsaw than the Titans Return one, which was more yellow than black. This is more black and gold. Uh, with black being the primary color. You also get a Ravagery color as Howlback. Uh, I hope one day that Howlback is voiced by Gwen Stefani in a cartoon. Because um, she ain't your Howlback girl. But Howlback is a reference to an e-hobby figure that came out in 2005, which was a blue repaint of Ravage. And you also get in that set Frenzy, the blue one, or is it Rumble, the blue one? Whatever the case, I don't know what the names are on that package, but uh, we didn't get the blue one at Mass Retail. We did get the red and black one, though, so to complete that team is nice as well. Really, I'm more, more excited about the exclusives, and the San Diego Comic-Con exclusives are fantastic, and then the Entertainment Earth exclusive that was announced with the gold Bumblebee and the other two versions of the same dino cassettes but one and one so that you can actually have proper combiners out of them those are huge and if you're wondering what i'm talking about with the combiner dinosaur cassettes uh just check the i believe it's the previous episode of tfu news and views you can catch it on our youtube youtube.com slash tfu info or subscribe right here and uh it should be back a few shows and of course the optimus primal exclusive throne of the primes i cannot wait until that hits hasbro toy shop i will be pre-ordering well i guess not pre-ordering but i will be stalking my computer to order that come august and speaking of exclusives and fan service you know we can complain a bit about generations yes and i'm bringing it back to generations for one more time uh what seems to be the leftovers of a toys r us collectors club for transformers prior to their bankruptcy, ending up as three Amazon exclusives in Blast Off from the Japanese Unite Warriors version of that toy. 
Repugnus as a deluxe Titans Return figure to complete the Monster Bots, and then the Punch Counterpunch for Power of the Primes being represented, even though it seems to be an entirely original mold. Those being released for San Diego need to be included in this news because that is some fan service stuff that is fantastic. Um, that is the stuff people like my age like to see. And okay, just want to put that in there because I think a lot of people are forgetting that in the context of everything that went down this weekend. And uh, that is certainly a positive to take away from San Diego Comic-Con 2018. Now, also shown off this weekend was more of Transformers Cyberverse. Uh, a clip of the show was shown at the panel. Uh, and from what I've seen, it looks kind of cool. looks like robots in disguise. Uh, I've heard that there have been 80 character models done. And that kind of worries me. Because much like the previous robots in disguise cartoon, we won't see a lot of those at retail. And that's kind of a bummer. But what we did see at New York Comic Con, um, I'm very much in a wait-and-see mode for this line. Again, this is another line that seems to want to compete with itself. Uh, a lot of the same characters available at different price points. I really don't understand the marketing behind that. So when I was a kid, I seemed to have had ingrained in me see on screen, see on shelf, as I like to call it see a character on the screen, you see it on the shelf, you want someone to buy that for you. Um, when you have a figure at different scales and different price points, eventually you either A, end up getting the wrong one, or B, get one that doesn't work with everything else, or C, get into what they call option paralysis. Um, kind of a, a salad bar mentality that there's so much there that you don't get any of it. And so some of that is what I see for the Cyberverse line. Like there are a lot of Bumblebee and there are a lot of Windblades and I like Windblades so that's kind of cool I guess. I do like that there is a new Seeker body that is being used apparently for Acid Storm and Slipstream. So that's pretty cool to me. I think they showed off Shadow Striker as well, and an Ultra Shockwave. So the Decepticons seem to be the highlight of the Cyberverse line. And that's really about all I have to say about that line for now. But again, I think that's one of those ones, for the most part, falls under Not For Me. That might change when I see the cartoon. The cartoon certainly is a motivator for me. I felt the same way about Robots in Disguise in 2015. I was very happy with Prime and wasn't looking forward to a changeover to a new look and a new animation style and a new toy style. And I was wrong. The line was great. The show was fantastic. Honestly, one of the best Transformer cartoons of all time. And... Uh, Here's hoping that Cyberverse is in that same vein. Now, let's go back on to some movie stuff. Now, we're going to step away from the toys for the most part and just talk media. Um, the movie panel for the Bumblebee movie was incredibly well done. Probably better done than any previous movie panel. And um, 
I mean, it's huge. They had John Cena. They had Haley Seinfeld. They had Travis Knight, the director. They had a special guest appearance by Peter Cullen as an audience member asking a question, uh, which is brilliant and perfect for that viral video kind of thing. We found out that Blitzwing is the jet in the trailer, not Starscream, and that he has a seeker body, and I know like the world exploded. Uh, the Transformers world exploded, at least, when hearing that. But it's cool. Uh, I don't mind it so much. So there is a clip of Travis Knight kind of explaining that the Seeker body type is something that exists in this universe, and that Blitzwing just happens to have it. Um, when you think about where this Bumblebee movie might sit, that he might have been on Earth during World War II... Blitzwing, which certainly evokes a bit of Axis powers Germany as a setting and as a way to create a villain out of Blitzwing, having him in a seeker body, while it doesn't make sense, the name certainly makes sense. We also found out that the other Decepticons are triple changers which I'm behind and could mean that Blitzwing is also a triple changer in this continuity. Um, it seems still to be somewhat established in the Paramount Michael Bay verse, uh, which worries me to some extent because I don't think Paramount gets it uh, from their executive level and decision-making level. But the trailer for this film was incredibly well-received by those in Hall H. And... I am really excited. I'm looking forward to whenever they put this footage online because I want to see that next trailer. The buzz that came out of that room was huge and infectious, and I can't wait to see what they saw. And finally, the biggest news of the weekend, as far as I'm concerned, and this comes from an IDW panel that wasn't the Transformers panel. In fact, the Transformers panel had a big hell of a lot of nothing new for those of us that keep up with it. But in another IDW panel, we found out that Tom Scioli, the uh, madman, and I, I say that with the utmost respect for his work, the madman behind... Transformers versus G.I. Joe from IDW, the miniseries from a few years ago. Very Jack Kirby inspired and very all over the place weird. I'm not going to lie. I didn't understand a lot of it and I didn't care because it was that much fun. Is going to be doing a GoBots limited series for IDW. So GoBots back in print and here is the topper to that copyright 2018 Hasbro. I'll say it again. Copyright 2018 Hasbro. So that means this is a Hasbro property. And I cannot wait to see how that pans out for Hasbro and the GoBots in the future. And I know I don't think this will be part of the Hasbro verse, right? This is coming from the Hasbro verse is coming to an end with the Unicron limited series. So that's fine. Let this live on its own and let this be its own thing and let this be a, another vehicle for Tom Scioli's madness.
I am all in on this, even if I don't understand it. I don't care. I love the fact that we are getting this and this exists. So let's wrap up my thoughts on the future of the Transformers brand and 2018 San Diego Comic-Con's news. Overall, it was a very up and down news cycle. Uh, I found myself excited about things I didn't think I would be excited about and disappointed by things I thought I would be excited about. A lot of this stems from the line-wide reboot, the line-wide refocusing of the brand. It's something I'm very much for, but I don't know if it's being executed properly at this time. Now, I don't know how much input Paramount has overall into uh, how things interact with movie stuff. I do hope it isn't bleeding too much into the notion of the reboot because I don't think yet that Paramount has a grasp on what makes Transformers work as a brand and historically from G1 and beyond. But I am still hopeful for this line. I'm excited about bits and pieces of everything, but there is no one thing other than that Cobots comic that I am wholly excited for front to back. And I think that probably best sums up San Diego Comic-Con 2018 for Transformers fans and probably reinforces my point of the team trying to hit too many targets with one thing. and they're, they're trying to make generations appeal to too many people at once. They're, they're trying to make studio series appeal to too many people at once that this future movie is also trying to appeal to too many people of too many different things. Uh, hopefully the focus will narrow as we get a little further away from this brand restructuring. And that will wrap up this edition of TFU News and Views. I am your host, Anthony Bricali. If you like the show, if you like our other shows like Transformers University or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash info, please subscribe. Please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash info, where uh, there are a lot of goodies to be had. And don't forget, we have that Studio Series Thundercracker giveaway going on on YouTube. Once we get to a 1,000 subscribers, we will give it away. All you have to do is find the video about Studio Series Thundercracker and comment on it to enter. As always, you can listen to me on Transformers University, where you can learn the history of the Transformers brand from 1984. Episode 27 is going up just around the time of this episode, where we're into Season 2 of the cartoon. You can catch me on Twitter at TFU underscore info, on the web at www.tfu.info, Facebook, Instagram.com slash TFU info, and of course, if you'd like to email me, the email address is info at TFU.info. A lot of great stuff coming up on the site, on these podcasts, and in the future. So please subscribe. And if you'd like to leave a nice review in iTunes or wherever you listen to this show, please do. It helps the show become more visible and helps me make more things for you. So, are you excited about the line? Hit me up on social media. Tell me what you think. Hoping to hear from you. Till next time. See you.